Hey, my normies and non-normies. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I hope everybody is doing good. I, I missed I missed doing the live this morning. Um, partially because I forgot. That's definitely one. And I'm apologize for the noise in the background, which I already know Lyrical is going to do her thing. She's going to forget that you guys exist. So, and I had, I had to use the headphones because the mic didn't work when I tried to come on here earlier. Um, or if it was working, it wasn't, I wasn't hearing it on my end. Um, I did a skills lab this morning for my coaching program and I was already not feeling too good. So after that, I was feeling a little bit better, but my chronic pain started to kick in some. So it left me like kind of drained um physically but mentally I was like I'm ready to do this I'm ready to do that physically my body was like yeah right <laughs> okay you would have thought and it made me forget completely that today was Wednesday it made me forget completely that at 11 o'clock I told myself I will be on my podcast doing my live even if I miss posting my recordings or doing my recording so that I could post it. I was still supposed to be making it to my lives at 11, but it also doesn't help that my microphone is not working. I have a shortage, and I proved that because earlier when I was doing my skills lab, I had it short, and then I had to disconnect the mic and do it with the laptop's microphone instead. So I have to try to get another microphone, which is why I did the crowdfund to try to see if I can get some donations to help me get the equipment that I need to really actually get my podcast where it should be if I had the financial means. I mean, all of my platforms could actually be better if I had the financial means that I needed to make them better. I could be giving out way better content than what I do now. But you gotta work with what you got. So this is what I got. This is what I'm working with. Me and Bev, I shared my headphones. So I just told her I needed it now so I could try to get this, you know, up and running. I didn't want to miss another live because I already missed one. And that was because I wasn't feeling good and I didn't want to miss another one because then it's gonna become a habit. And it's going to be every time I say I'm going to do a live, I'm not feeling good, and then I'm going to miss it. And I'm never going to do a live. And I don't want that to happen. Again, I think it's a part of the depression. I don't want my depression to think that's going to be an excuse. No, I'm not going to let it. I can't let it. And this depression, like I've been saying, this depression is different from all of my other depressions. Like, it just, it's persistent. It's very persistent and it's not doesn't show up consistently so it's not consistently there it gives me a lot of good moments but when it when I need it not to be there it's when it's there the most and when I think I'm like all right I'm, I'm feeling a lot better like I think I'm getting on the right track now so let me knock out a couple of things and I'm feeling a lot better and I'm like yeah I think I'm you know I'm, I'm getting there I'm getting there I'm getting there all of a sudden, here comes a big wave that was stronger than the last wave, and it knocks me down harder. I've learned that depression looks different 
every single time. It's not the same. It's not a cookie cutter thing. And it's not a cookie cutter thing within the same person. So it's like it has, it's like, a, it's like the ocean. Each wave, every single time it comes, is unique. It does not look the same as the last wave. So, the same way with depression. Each bout of depression does not look the same as the last one. So, what may have worked during your last depression bout may not work during this one. But, what may have worked during the you know, the last 50,000 one before may work during this one. But I also learned that finding a way to maintain trying to stay above the water, even if it's just my neck, even if it's just up to my mouth, I'm still making it. I may not have all of the answers. And I'm still trying to get the rest of my body out of the water. But as long as I'm breathing, I'm still making it. And that's where I'm at right now. This depression is really trying to find whatever it can. Lyrical, please stop. It's really trying to find whatever it can and really, like, suck me even more and more. But I refuse to let it win. But it did make me miss a live at 11. So I am actually way later than what I would normally be. And I, for some particular reason, cannot find consistency when it comes to doing these lives. I don't know if that has anything to do with my mental health. I don't know if that has anything to do with... I don't know. I have, I'm trying to get to the bottom of that. Because I personally feel like it may just be some mental thing where I'm trying to avoid, trying to avoid something. Feel like I'm trying to avoid something, and I'm gonna get to the bottom of it. And I'm gonna keep on coming to these lives, and I'm gonna keep on doing these lives, and I'm gonna figure it out. Just the present, I refuse to make to let it win. But I know it don't look the same as any of the other depressions. I know somebody out there knows what I'm talking about. Every depression don't look the same in the same person. And I know that I thought depression, honestly, was just, I'm saying depression, you know? I've been depressed my whole life, but I never really took the time to pay attention to it. First of all, excuse me, podcasters, my normies and my non-normies, allow me one second while I recorrect my child. First of all, there's one thing you're not about to do. You're not going to continue to disrespect me and everybody else that's listening. You're going to stop being loud because you're being rude. So can you please apologize? Sorry. Thank you. You continue playing. That's not a problem, but you're not going to continue to disrespect everybody's time. Back to our normal programming. Anyways, I've always dealt with depression my whole life, but I never realized that's what it was, because in my household, we don't talk about these things. My egg donor would not talk about nothing like that. Like, my grandparents, we just, we didn't discuss them these things. So, I didn't know I was dealing with depression, per se. 
but I was always depressed. Now that I'm older, I can see that's what it was. Always kept myself in my room. I stayed to myself. I barely had conversations. Like, my cousins used to have to, like, you know, force me pretty much to interact with them. <coughs> to partake with them. To take the time to, I don't know, to give them. They had to pry information out of me. Unless I had my good days. When I had my good days, I was the one willing, willingly, you know, interacting with them. Willingly looking for them. Willingly, I can't find the model was. Willingly looking for them, willingly interacting, asking questions, enjoying time with them, whatever the case may be. Um, but normally they were the ones that were like, you know, like, vamos a esto, let's go do this, let's go over there. Like, ay chica, pero tú siempre, like, hey girl, you always, Papo used to always say that. I kind of miss him, you know. Low key. Above anything, I, I don't know. I don't know where that just came from. I don't know where that just came from. But like, I really love you. Um, that depression is different. And I'm sorry, Bippa just distracted me. She stopped me in the middle of saying something very important, which just threw everything off that I was trying to say. So, like, it just took everything. Welcome to my world, you guys. This is my world every single day. Whether I'm trying to do content, whether I'm trying to study for myself, whether I'm trying to think for myself, whether I'm trying to just take a second to myself, but always get really interrupted by somebody else because of their autism except for the stinking people who doesn't have autism. They don't see when it's the right opportunity, when it's the right time to interrupt or not interrupt. And then it just puts me in a whole different headspace. It takes everything that I was trying to do or say and puts it in a box where now my brain sometimes just says, hey, Lynette, you no longer have access to it thanks to this neurological thing that you're dealing with. So, oh well. Snooze, you lose. And the lesson that I was going to learn, teach, or whatever is then no longer available. And it's like an error message. Error, error, abort, 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 error, error, abort, abort. And I become back to square one. And then to other people, it just looks like I'm completely unorganized and all over the place. And I look like I'm just completely insane, which we obviously all know that yes, I am insane, I embrace this, and I love this about me, don't get me wrong, I love it about me, because it makes me who I am, and I don't have anything wrong with who I am, I just wish that it wasn't as unorganized, but it's not as unorganized because of me per se, but because of my environment and my dynamics. Having two autistic children makes it just a little bit harder. So I have to, you know, counter into wrong words. I was just watching these wrong words. My brain just warned me that my sentence was gonna make no sense. I have to um, take into account that they lack certain social aspects 
So when I'm doing certain things, when those situations happen, I can't get upset. So then I can't allow my PTSD to get triggered. I can't allow my bipolar to get triggered. I have to then either be mad with the fact that everything that I just did went down the drain. So basically like the whole conversation I was just having was a waste because I didn't get to complete my point or I didn't get to complete what I was trying to say or on some occasions I didn't get to vent out the complete emotion so that I can release it and let it go. Um, or I can like become mad and get frustrated and get irritated at the situation, get irritated at my situation, like just walk around like an evil witch for no particular reason because it's not like I can change it. It's not like I can make it any better, but then my kids will sense that. And then in turn, their autism will get triggered and then they'll feel like they did something wrong, which they did because it's not like it's something that they can control or they choose to. It's not like they're going out and saying, hey, let me do this on purpose, Um, which puts me in a mental space where it's kind of like, I feel like I'm being selfish. You know, these are the things that I need to be mentally okay. These are the things that I need to survive. Um, And I feel completely selfish. Or I feel like I'm feeling right now, this lady, well, I'm not going to say like this lady because I obviously didn't think it like that, but I feel like I completely make no sense to you guys because I just switched topic to a completely different topic than what I was just discussing due to the fact of what happened. So, like, I was on this whole depression conversation. I was bringing up a whole different story with my cousin, but then they interrupted and that just went out the window and my whole emotion off of that went out the window and the whole inspiration of what brought that on went out the window because by her interruption it just disconnected me from everything and I then had to switch so now I'm sw- I switched to a whole different topic and I'm sitting here like <sighs> I'm de-escalating which is why I brought it up and I'm having this whole conversation with you guys right now this is my format of de-escalating. This is why I brought it up. I have to de-escalate because I wanted to turn around and just be like, why would you do that? I was sitting here in the middle of a deep conversation. I was bringing up something about depression. I was putting two and two together. I was bringing an explanation. Like I was bringing it to full circle and why would you interrupt me at that time? Was it really that imperative for you to eat at the moment? Like, I, <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, but I need to de-escalate and because of her autism, I obviously don't want to make her feel a certain type of way because it's not her fault. You know, she did not obviously set out to say, hey, let me interrupt mom right now during her deep conversation, you know, while she's bringing up an imperative point for her when I know that she has this neurological thing going on and I know that it's going to be difficult for her to, you know, hold on to what she's saying. And like, and obviously, like, I know this, so I'm trying to de-escalate with you guys, which is why I had to, you know, like, come 
like that, which is why this whole conversation is happening. But in the process, it makes me feel selfish when I do it because you guys, as listeners, I'm sitting here like I know they gotta sit here and be like, this chick is literally like completely insane because she was just talking about this, and now we're like over on this topic over here. Like you just crossed me over the bridge. <laughs> 50 miles away from where we were how did you even get there like I was all the way over here and you took me all the way over there but I had to de-escalate like like right now I'm shaking because that's how bad I have to de-escalate because the bipolar in me the PTSD in me I'm so so escalated like even my breathing is very difficult because the person that has always been brushed off by other people, especially by my egg donor and by people that I've been in a relationship with and things like that, the one that has always been ignored by other people and brushed off by other people and things like that and what I do does not matter or it's not important or it's not relevant got triggered. And it was kind of like, but that was imperative for me at that moment. Like, this was extremely for me and you just basically like are you kidding me like I understand that you have to eat but was it that important at that moment when I was in the middle of I had an I was I had an emotion that I was opening up that I didn't even know that I realized that I didn't even realize that was there like and it was coming out at that moment and you just stopped that emotion and you just left me in the middle of this roller coaster like I'm at that peak and you just took me and you just ripped me off of there and you took me away from it and now I'm escalated and now I'm agitated and now I'm shaking and now I'm here like with an open wound that I don't even know why it's opened or what what where it came from or why it exists like nothing I know nothing about it so now I have to figure out how I'm going to de-escalate myself how I'm not going to harm you how I'm not going to, like, you know, uh, fall backwards, like I've been trying not to do, I've been trying to fall forwards, and at the same time, not harm anyone else in the process, because now I have an extra wound that I didn't have before, and I don't even know where, what, what it is, like, at all, where, or I don't know if it's a good wound or a bad wound. If it's just a memory, I don't I don't know. I don't know what it is because I never got to express it. Like I never got to feel it. I never got to uh, do anything with it at all because it was just coming from wherever depths of my soul, I guess you can say. You know? Um, usually when I do these podcast sessions, um, that's why it's difficult for me to put a title to them. This is why I'm sticking to this title and I'm leaving it just at this title. When I'm with you guys, I give you guys my raw. Like, I literally give you guys my raw, my inner me, my soul. Like, I give you guys lessons that I don't even know I have to give. You know, I come on here and I'm really hoping to help others, you know, whatever it is, um, or however deep it may be, like, if I want to be able to touch others, I have to be willing to open as many wounds possible and heal them all at the same, you know, heal them as well 
And however that healing looks and however that step is, I know that that process can help somebody else at the same time. So in order for me to help, I have to go through those steps. So I give you guys my raw. Like, I'm not saying that I don't give my other platforms my raw, but it's a deeper it's a deeper connection. I I don't know how to explain it. I, I don't know if you guys feel it, but I joke with you guys even in a different format. Like, and when the kids are around and they do their noise and their commotion, I don't know if you guys realize it kind of bothers me differently. Because I kind of give you guys, you know, the respect is different for me. It's different. It's different. You guys are like, you guys are like the PhD. You know, the doctorates and the platforms for me, I guess you could say. You know what I'm saying? And it's kind of like, you know, guys deserve a little bit more than just going to the steakhouse. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know why. I just feel like there's a. Uh, more of a sophisticated ability of a platform when it comes to the podcast than there could be in any of the other platforms. And I think that when it comes to podcasts, people do look at it as a more sophisticated level than, to, than they do with any of the other platforms. Um, and I believe that that's why I kind of hold it on a higher level. So I try to, you know, be as transparent as possible even though I'm transparent I'm on my platforms but I try to always give us more relevant information as much more raw feelings and emotions as I can answers I try to give you guys more answers um if I'm doing something like I try to have definitely more answers than I guess I do on the other platforms, even though I try to put as much of the same content as I can. Um, it's just with you guys, I guess if I try to do more of the answers, you know? I guess it really is the answers. I feel like the answers of the why, the how, who, when, where, I believe that's a lot more relevant over here than anywhere else. Um, I believe everywhere else people are, are, it's more about being nosy than it is about learning or understanding or compassion or empathy, um, or anything like any type of emotion or feeling, period. Um, I really do think that the other platforms, except for Instagram, but, um, YouTube is really definitely more about being nosy. Um, but yeah, so I'm sorry. I'm de-escalated now, guys. I stopped shaking. I don't know if you guys can tell that my breathing isn't the same anymore, so I'm, I'm definitely de-escalated. I can talk better now. It, I had, was going through a trigger. Um, it was literally at first I was just escalated. And in the process of talking to you guys, I realized that I was being triggered as well. Um, and that's when I noticed that the short breath was coming along. I didn't want to have an asthma attack or a panic attack or anxiety attack, obviously, while on a live. That was not going to go well. Um, so I had to try to find a way to 
de-escalate that as well while I was trying to de-escalate myself from everything else. This is my first time ever having to do that while doing something of this nature. So I really do hope that I did pretty good and didn't scare anybody. And if you guys did not notice, then I means that I need to give myself an A plus because that means that I did awesome. Because I really was having a PTSD trigger while de-escalating myself from having a trigger of whatever I did. And if nobody noticed, then I did an amazing job. Yay me. Because I was scary as hell. I really thought I was about to have a whole complete attack while having you guys on here. And I didn't remember what my pump was. And yeah, and I didn't want to scare Beba because she would have freaked out on me. Excuse me, her and Lyrico. And that would have not went well. And yeah, so I was really praying that it would have worked out in my favor and I definitely thank God that it worked out in my favor. They've been coming on a lot lately and I don't know why. They even come in my sleep. Sometimes I just jump out of this out of my sleep and I have to sit up and I'm like breathing and I'm like and I feel like I can't breathe and it's like the room just becomes extremely hot out of nowhere and the kids will be asleep and I'm just like, <sighs> I mean, I have to talk myself through it and, you know, pray and then lay my down and go to sleep. I don't know what is causing them and I'm not sure where they're coming from, but lately they've been, I've been triggered a lot more than what I used to be and I'm could be in the process of dealing with something else and like just happened right now I'll get a trigger and I'll be ready to have a full-blown attack and I don't want to scare you know I don't want to scare Beba she's been through enough and I can't put her through I can't put her through anymore you know and that's the I guess that's the selfishness in me which is what put me in a wheelchair. Me being selfish, but not selfish at the same time. Putting my kids first before me and forgetting all about me is another reason what has landed me in the wheelchair too, but she wouldn't be able to keep dealing with a lot. She's already worried that she's not gonna have me much longer. So I just try to self-cope like right now my chest hurts but I already know that's just because I just went through a whole you know attack and it usually happens right after it and it'll be sensitive for a while and if I'm being really honest with you guys I'm still on the verge of getting ready to have another one Hence why the conversation came back up again, and I am not sure why I'm ready to have another one. Um, and I'm trying to find a way to avoid it from deciding to fully come back on. Um, so I need to find a different topic. And if 
like it off with you guys, it's not going to get any better. So I need to use you guys as a distraction, but I'm going to have to find a different topic because and at the moment my brain is not trying to cooperate with me, so I need to find something about me. I got this. I guess I didn't do a good job like I thought I did. I can do this shit. I got this. Damn it, damn it, damn it. I got this shit. I got this. I got this. I got this. Fuck. Um. Okay, so I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Um. Um. Damn it, I'm drawing so many freaking blanks. So many damn blanks. I shouldn't have smoked. I shouldn't have smoked before I started, then maybe I wouldn't have so many blanks. Um, um, okay, okay, think, 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 relax, relax, breathe. Uh, oh, I had an awesome conversation the other day. Okay, I got this. So, yeah, so there's this friend that I have. We dated for a little while. We really didn't date for long. Um, his... his I call him Brooklyn. He doesn't like me calling him that, but that is the name that I have for him. And um, I actually invited him to come on the podcast with me and do an episode. He is pretty cool and laid back. We've been really good friends for a very, 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 very long time, since like 2013. And he's like, he's hella funny. Like, he's hella funny. It's like, he goes through the same shit that I be going through. But, on, minus the leg situation. Not, not the leg situation. But, like, on the mental aspect. And the depression aspect. um, And the, like, relationship stuff. And, the, you know, baby mama drama and stuff like that. He's, um, he's, he's pretty cool. He's pretty cool, too. Like, I can say that. Like, um... I invited him to come on the podcast. Like, I really had a good time talking to him the other night. It's been a long time since we talked. Like, we haven't talked in a while. Um, I don't really talk much to people. Like, I'm not... I'm not really a people person like that. Like, if I'm close to you, I'll talk to you. We'll have conversations, not on a consistent basis. But, like, I'll, I'll definitely joy and and savor and embrace like the conversations that we have and they'll mean a lot to me because you mean a lot to me and again like I said I'm not one to have you know phone call conversations like that can you call again I'm not one to have phone call conversations like that you know what I'm saying with people but um I'm more of a, like, text message, and lately I've noticed I'm not even a text message person no more, but that's not good, it's the depression, the depression is taking me, and it's making me isolate myself once again, and I can't keep doing that, I gotta gotta stop doing that, that's not good, but Brooklyn, which I know you don't like me calling that, but if you listening, oh well, so sad, so sorry, (laughs) love you anyways.
<laughs> that's always gonna be your name. Like that's always gonna be your name. <laughs> that's always gonna be your name, man. Like that's that's always, always. It's always gonna be your name. You gotta tat it anyway. It's like what's the difference? But I mean, it's just tatted on your body. So I'm just saying, why can't I call you Brooklyn? But um, anyways, I feel like you argue with me if you are listening. But you need to stop. Um. Uh, yeah, so I'm invited him to come up on the show because he has um some similar conditions like I do, and we vibe like when we talk. So I feel like y'all would really much enjoy having our vibe on the episode. We even talked about doing it on a live too. Plus, he's got a story to tell. You know what I'm saying? I feel like his story might help the next man especially, you know, because I feel like my story might not resonate, you know, with a with a male population. I don't know. But I feel like his story might help, you know, the male population that is dealing with mental illness. I feel like his story might inspire, you know, the next male. Or it might give encouragement to another male that's dealing with issues. Or, you know, that has problems with maybe even their baby mothers and how to deal with those type of situations. So that's why I invited him to come on the show because I feel like we can vibe and get his story out there and inspire other people and make them feel better. And I don't know. I feel like it'd be kind of something cool to do. Um, and that made me feel better. Okay, I feel better. I think I feel better now. I don't know what's going on with my PTSD, man. I really don't think my medications work. I really don't. But, um, let everybody else tell it. Medication's good. I think I need to stick to my herbal trees. I, I think I need to... Mary Jane has never pretty much failed me. But, um, I don't know what is up with my PTSD, man. Or my depression, but this is not cute. This is not cute. This is not for everybody. This is this is not cute, man. This is not cute. This is not cute. This is not cute. Man, I feel like I've been talking to you guys for an hour. And according to the radio, it says I've only been out here for 34 minutes. Uh-uh, yo. There's no way I've been talking to y'all longer than that. Why am I having so much anxiety? I've only been talking to y'all for 34 minutes. I don't get anxiety to talk to y'all. So, like, I'm not understanding what is going on with me today, people. Does anybody want to feel like being my therapist? (laughs) Does anybody want to feel like being my therapist? Because I feel like I kind of need one right now. I need to get to the root of this anxiety right now. Because I don't know where it came from. It just came out of nowhere. And it just kicked in out of nowhere, especially when I did that thing. Maybe I should have done it. Maybe I feel better. Nope, I don't even want to do it. See? I don't know. Oh, I don't even want to do that. Oh, and then tomorrow, I actually have um, I have in what's the word? Oh, I am recording a podcast episode with Donna, which I had um, already put up I had already put up um, 
an episode that me and her had, you know, pre-collaborated on before when we talked about what we were going to talk about on her actual episode, so we're going to record her episode tomorrow. Um, if everything goes well, I should be able to put it up tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that. I say if everything goes well only because my pain and my chronic pain, um, they haven't been my friend, but I think it's because my depression has been, you know, a little bit more, so that kind of doesn't help with the chronic pain, but I'm looking forward to that. What else do we have going on? Lyrical Angel Toussaint, pull down your pajama. Again, you do not have pants on. Do not stand by the door. I'm sorry, y'all. This little girl be forgetting that. She she's only three years old, right? But she has a body. Okay. She has a body of a grown woman. And she keeps forgetting that she has crazy parents. And she be forgetting that she can't just go and do things that, I'm saying, regular, typical DL should be able to do because her body is way too developed. She has, she literally is fitting in full size 10, 12. And this. And this. Miracle is a podcast, baby. The podcast can't see, they can only hear. So they can't see your lip gloss and they can't see your nail polish. Look, there's no video, baby, okay? So she wears a size 10, 12 because yeah. she's very thick. And she got she got her mama hips and she got her mama bottom, okay? Don't blame me. It's not my fault. It's genetics. And um, she wears 10, 12 for a old She got her daddy height, so she's, she's tall. So she be, man, she, I be telling this little girl, if you don't sit your behind down and don't remember who your mama and your daddy is, you're going to get somebody knocked upside their head one day. Because she be, she be, child, don't make me have to lose my mind totally. Like, I at least, sorry y'all for the airplanes. I was walking Koa and Lyrical opened the door. I feel better now. Thank you, y'all. Thank you to whoever stuck it out and rolled out this with me. I felt better. I feel like a cheat now. I don't know what that was. I don't know what was going on. But, ooh, that was not good. That was not cute. Okay, and another conversation I need to have. I still need case studies for my coaching program. Ain't nobody email me. You guys don't love me. There's really no love out there. That is just so evil. Y'all ain't paying me. This is free. Ain't nobody email me to offer themselves. I mean, y'all don't want to better yourselves. I'm offering to help you better yourselves. I need some volunteers for my case study program. I need to have at least six people volunteer, but I'm only going to be able to pick two people out of the six people. 
and I will be coaching those six people for 90 days. Like, you don't feel like bettering yourself. This is being offered to you for free. I am literally going through a certification program to become a certified duo in health and life coaching. This is not BS. This is legit. Why not take the opportunity that's being offered to you for free? There's no gimmick behind it. I have no reason to have a gimmick behind it. Like, I'm not one of those people. I don't like when people do that BS. I hate that BS. Don't offer me something for free. And then down the line, tell me I got to pay you something or I got to buy something. No. <clears throat> that's not what it is. You know what I mean? That's not what it is. I literally am in need of six people to offer themselves. Out of those six, I'll have to um, pick two that I can work with. And then the other six will go on my waiting list. And if I can work with them down the line, I'll already have them. You know what I'm saying? But, come on, y'all. There's no love. Like, nobody wants to work on themselves. Y'all already perfect. Like, there's nothing that you need work with. Like, you just, you know what I'm saying? You're already there. There's nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. I mean, y'all already perfect. Nothing. Nothing. Not even on nutrition level. Because like I said, it's health and life. I can help you. It's for free. 90-day program. Take advantage while it's there. It won't be for free forever. It definitely won't. And it's virtual. Virtual. Because I sure can't wheel myself to nobody. It's virtual. 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 I said it's virtual. 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 You okay, mama? Even Lyrical said it's virtual. It's virtual. Like, all it is is you commit to once a week. Once a week. That's all it is. Once a week for 90 days. Once a week for 90 days. For free. That's all I need. And I need that so that I can pass my certification. So that I can, because I'm literally getting, this is a real certification for me to become like certified. Okay, a real certification, a real certificate. I can get a real job, you know, with it, but I want to actually get my coaching business. Um, I want to help other parents like myself. I want to help other um children like mine as well I want to be able to help those that feel like their voices are not being heard I want to help them find their voices so that they know that they're actually being listened to so take advantage man take advantage why not what are you going to lose you didn't put a dime down it's an hour an hour a week an hour a week. This is, that's an hour you're just taking away from scrolling out of social media. 
You're going to listen to somebody else on social media tell you the same thing I'm going to tell you for an hour. What's the difference? What's the difference? You're going to help me out. And then you never know. You never know. I may help you grow. I may help you grow. Only difference is it'll be consistently with me instead of scrolling for an hour and listening to random different people. And I may become your favorite person in the world. Because <laughs> once you really get to know me, I am a sweet, lovable person. I'm a bitch. But I'm a sweet bitch. To those that know me. Only when you know me. And you get to understand the bipolar bitch. And you actually get to like the bipolar bitch. You get to work around her. So why not take me up on the offer? You really don't have nothing to lose. And if you gained anything from it, then who wins? You do. You do. You win. You win a new perspective in life. So send me an email. Lynette L for love. I for Igbo. N for Nancy. E for Edward. T for Tom. T for Tom. E for Edward. H for Harry. At Life as a single parent mental illness dot blog. Shoot me an email. Sorry, I got hungry. Shoot me an email. Let me know you're interested. Let me know what you want to work on while you're interested. And I'll, I'll, that's my email. Paula, shut up. I need it so that when I need it, I got committed people. 
not going to hurt you. It's an hour of your day. It's virtual. It's not like you have to drive anywhere. It's not like you have to go anywhere. So, what is it going to hurt? And, honestly speaking, I want to really do it for anybody in the mental health community. Because that's my niche. That's what I know. That's what I can resonate with. So, why not get help from one of your own? But if you don't have mental, that's still cool. I think outside the box. You never know what I can help you. I don't limit myself. I see things differently from other people because of the way my brain is. Why did I start to eat this? I know I said I was hungry, but in reality, I don't think that I am. I think it's my anxiety. You're not going outside right now, so you don't need it right now. Can I finish? Thank you. Great conversation. But um, I need I need that help, please. So if anybody is serious or knows of anybody that may need a coach, you know, and may be interested in taking this free opportunity to be my case study, pass along that email, let them know there's an opportunity. Just let me know, you know what I'm saying, why they would be interested and what they want to work on. <sighs> And I'll shoot an email back. Definitely shoot an email back, letting them know. You know, I just need six people to volunteer, please. There should be some love out there for me, some type of love. Doesn't matter where in the world you are. Just you do not have to be in the United States. You can be anywhere. Anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. Okay, because it's virtual. There's got to be somebody that's willing to let me coach them. I mean, we all have something that we can work on. I know I'm working on a lot right now with this program. And this program has shown me a lot. It has actually made me think of a lot, too. And I'm doing another coaching program while I'm doing the my main coaching program. And that one has actually taught me a lot as well. So, yeah, I'm getting coached. Because I know I have things that I need to work on. But, I don't know. That's just my opinion. So if anybody's interested, even if you don't feel like you need it, just humor me and help me <laughs> if you like me you'd help me no you don't eat the darn sponge co-op
another piece of the sponges over here on the floor. Sorry, y'all. Cora decided she wanted to eat sponge. talk about depression again. We don't look the same in everybody. And it don't look the same all the time. I'm trying to find a way to kick this depression. And I'm struggling. I'm not sure how to kick it. struggling it's everything that I usually would do is not working per se and like I can find myself fine one minute but then the next minute I fall like into a little depression I get sad makes my mood swings from my bipolar like up and down up and down it's annoying it's annoying like, I find myself struggling to get out of bed. Find myself struggling to start my day. And then my chronic pain. Oh, let's not even talk about that. That seems to be off the roof. It's like my pain pills aren't doing anything at all. So depression is making that even worse. Does anybody else experience that? Does your depression, like, just throw everything off? Does it just really, like, make everything else ten times worse? Like, I can have my bipolar be everywhere, but everything else doesn't really, like, it doesn't get as all over the place. I feel like when my depression is bad, everything really gets all over the place. I've noticed that one condition can affect something, everything else more than another condition can. I've noticed that. Um, what else? I just know that this depression is really kicking my behind. And I think another thing that's kicking my behind this time too is I'm trying to become okay with ending up in a wheelchair by myself. Like, strangers want to talk to me about ending up in a wheelchair. But those that I love have yet to talk to me about ending up in a wheelchair. And that bothers me. Like, my support system has not had a conversation with me about ending up in a wheelchair. So, are they my support system? Because I have yet to process this, but strangers want to have this conversation with me and they find my strength 
which I don't find I have strength because I don't think I'm dealing with it well. But they find my strength to be inspiring, but I find it to be an imposter. Because I don't think I'm coping. I don't think I'm dealing with it well. I really think I'm depressed because of it. I just think that I'm playing poker very well. I have a poker face on. And I may be portraying like I am surviving very well, but I'm not. Like, I have tantrums when I can't get up and clean or do something. Yeah, 42 years old having tantrums because I cannot get up and do something for myself. That is not okay. But it is okay because it's. No, it's not okay. Is it okay? Is it okay to be upset because I cannot no longer do something for myself? I don't know. Is it okay? Because I don't talk to anybody, so I don't know. All I know is that I beat myself up every day. And then I really don't like the fact that I shouldn't have to tell people that are supposed to be able to talk to about this, hey, why don't you ask me how I feel about ending up in a wheelchair? Hey, why haven't you asked me how I feel about losing my legs? Hey, why don't you ask how I'm doing? Hey, like, why should I have to ask people these things? Isn't it something that they should do on their own? should have done on their own from day one I mean wouldn't you have done that if you had somebody that you loved in my shoes I have yet to have somebody go hey Lynette how are you processing the fact that you're ending up in a wheelchair how can I help you process this Like, everybody goes, if you need me, I'm there. I know all that shit. But it's not the same. It's like a forbidden conversation. It's like the elephant in the fucking room that nobody wants to fucking mention. So Lynette doesn't talk about it because she doesn't think you're okay with talking about it. But why the hell am I protecting their damn mental health? What about mine? Well, because Lynette is always worried about everybody else before herself. Why? Because Lynette always cares about others before she cares about herself. And where the hell did I get Lynette? In a damn wheelchair. With some neurological issues because her brain is trying to do everything it can to protect itself from any more damage. Isn't that crazy? That is insane. But that's how powerful our mind is. Like, my mind is saying, listen here, woman. If you're not going to do what it takes to protect us, then I'm going to do what it takes to protect us. Screw you. And that's what it's doing. That's exactly what it's doing. Oh, and let me get into anything deep. Any deep conversations, I don't know if you guys 
watch the YouTube channel, but I, it's on. I think I've tapping on my podcast too, where I start to stutter when it gets too deep or too intense. It'll start shutting me down so that I won't be able to continue or to warn me to stop or whatever. Like my mind ain't playing no games with me. It's tired. It's fed up. It ain't had enough. It's that deuces. I'm over this. You ain't doing your job, damn it. I'm gonna do your job for you. And that's clearly what it's doing. And honestly, the leg thing, you know, one of the neurologists was like, she believes my mental health is also playing a part in it too. I was running two jobs, running around like a chick with my hat cut off. I think my body had been telling me for a while to sit my ass down. Sit my ass down. Sit my ass down. Well, I guess my mind decided it was going to do it for me. I'm just going to let that one sit there for a second. (sighs) Sorry, I got thirsty. Yeah, my mind must have been like, listen here, bitch. Let me tell you something. I done been giving you all these damn warnings. I done been telling you all this shit. Showing you all this shit. Giving you little hints here and there, here and there. Because it was. The other day I was sitting back and I was doing some thinking. And a year before I ended up in this wheelchair, I started having problems, but it was on my right side. It wasn't on my left side. My right leg would start to give out when I was walking. And I would feel something pinched on my lower right side, not my left. So it was giving me warning signs a year before. But due to transportation issues and me having to work in order to be able to pay a $1,050 rent on my own, I couldn't take the time off to go to a doctor. So, in order to survive, I had to neglect myself again. Yes, I didn't learn my lesson from all the other times I neglected myself. Hmm. There's a little pattern there. I'm just really hard-headed, like my grandmother said. Casquidura! Bien casquidura. No, I guess the, the, the pattern that I see is I don't think I'm worthy of my time or anyone's time. And that has something to do with my past. egg donor pretty much never gave me her time and I grew up to be okay with that and I grew up to be okay with that when other people didn't give me their time either so I never made a big fuss about me or for me just kept going 
but I would make the time for my kids, though. I would take, ironically, right, I wouldn't take the time out for me, right? I couldn't miss time out for me. But my kids hardly ever got sick, so I never really had to miss time out. They never really got sick. Um, they have really good immune systems, believe it or not, even though they have their autism and everything else. They have a very good immune system. Um, so I never really had to take them to the doctor for anything except for their regular checkups. So, and during that time, I would usually kind of like schedule everything together. So I would kind of miss, you know, only one time ordeal. So it kind of worked out well. But I slacked on me. I slacked on me a lot. And then I also realized recently that the reason why I slacked on me a lot, I don't know who else may realize similar situations like this, or maybe after I tell you my situation, you may realize something like this. But I also realized that I slacked a lot because I wanted to be the opposite of what I had so badly. I wanted to be the opposite of my egg donor so badly that I felt guilty anytime I thought I was selfish. So let me explain. Okay. Um, I never walked around with like, uh, okay, so, um, how am I going to explain this? Alright, so she always walked around with her nails done, her hair done, you know, always looking, you know, pretty top tip, and I walked around, however. Um, she always kind of put herself first and then it was me um I walked around so if if you want to put it as an example of she walked around name brand I walked around Calvers so it was it was like that um and if it came to like going to doctors oh she made sure she went and then for me it was always kind of like I can't go I can't miss work you know there was always an excuse there was always well so-and-so is gonna take you well but you're my mom like why is so-and-so taking me like you can go to work with the doctors and take yourself so why can't you take me there was always like an excuse um for everything but didn't have an excuse for herself so why if you can take yourself you can't take your child i remember one time the doctor got mad but whatever um so i wanted to be like the complete opposite i wanted to always have my kids first because i did not want to do what she did with me but i did it too i just went overboard Like, I literally completely forgot all about me, forgetting that in order for my kids to thrive, I also have to thrive. You know, I neglected myself. I literally took it like being selfish was an evil thing. I took it like being selfish was a horrible thing. Like, it's not okay at all to be selfish. It's not okay at all to do anything for myself. Like, I can go shopping. And let's say if I'm going to shop at Walmart, right, um, I'll put in 
a couple of things for the kids and I'll throw in a couple of things for myself. And then I'll look at the total and I'll be like, damn, I don't think I can pull that off. That's too much money, but I know the kids need this, right? And let's say I know that I need, like I, I have the least amount of clothes out of all of us. I barely have anything, so, but I'll take out my stuff before I ever touch any of their stuff. And I know that they have stuff, even though they need stuff. Like, we really need stuff. We really don't have clothes. But they have more than I do. Um, so I know that I need, but I will feel real guilty if I purchase for myself and don't purchase for them. Doesn't matter how much the price is. Doesn't matter if it's a dollar. And then I was also one of those parents that it didn't matter if the kids were at school and I was off for the day. I wouldn't even buy myself something to eat. I would go home and just make some things. I would feel guilty that I didn't have the kids with me. Instead, it'll be like, you know what? I'll wait till they get home and I'll just order dinner. I felt better doing that than just buying myself like that Chinese food or that McDonald's or whatever it was because they weren't getting it too because these were privileges to us you know that's a privilege so it's it's a special treat it's not something that we do all the time so when I would do it without them I would feel guilty I would feel horrible so I wouldn't do it I would feel so selfish or if I did it I always made sure to save some and bring home so that they can share it together and at least they got some of it and I didn't feel good you know what I'm saying because it was it's like to me that was being a bad mom that was being a bad mom like that was being a bad mom I don't know why it has it may have something to do with her I'm not sure but I just couldn't I couldn't operate like that I really couldn't sorry I'm really thirsty I just really couldn't operate like that. It's just like, it would really blow my mind. Only times that I would, only times I was actually selfish was when it counted, like my phone, you know, whether it was a computer, because I worked from home before I was going to school, but the kids had their computers. So like I was, you know, Cola. I wouldn't feel horrible because they had what they needed. So, like, you know, things like that. Um, but outside of that, like, no, yeah, like, I, 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 don't, I don't know why I just can't put myself before the kids. But this year I told myself I'm going to stop doing that. I need to start learning to put myself before them so that I can be better for them so that they can strive better. I need to start, like, with this coaching class. I fell so far behind because I would let them keep distracting me, and then I would stop because they would start with the bickering and the arguing, and then I told myself, no, enough is enough. I fell six weeks behind, you know, and I finally am caught up. I finished the fifth week because technically this is the sixth week now. Um, the seventh week will be next week. Um, so I still have to do the skills lab for week five and finish the lesson for week six and then do the skills lab for week six. So I'm catching up. 
And I was like, I have to realize that in order for us to thrive and do better and get out of here or succeed, period, I have to start putting myself first for a lot of stuff um, or I'm going to just fall apart completely or have a serious nervous breakdown or mental breakdown and I'm going to be no good to anybody if that happens and then what's going to happen then I've done all of this for what for nothing you know we tell ourselves oh we got this we got this we got this does this sound familiar to anybody we got this we got this meanwhile we're breaking more and more more and more more and more you know and then we don't have it and by then it's too late to do anything about it and then what and you know what I'm saying I can't afford for that to happen because I personally cannot end up in somebody's psych ward I have nobody to stay with my kids I have nobody to watch them or be there for them or stay with them period so I cannot allow myself to break in any shape, way, or form. So I have to start putting myself first and start worrying about myself so that I can hopefully avoid that breaking point. And it is avoidable. And it's not selfish. And at one point, I thought it was selfish and I was like, how can a parent just, you know, put themselves first like that? Like, but it's not selfish. Like, they tell you when you're in an airplane, put your mask on first and then your children's. I got to put my mask on first so I can put my kids theirs and make sure that they're okay. And I failed to do that all these years. And now I'm trying to do it the correct way so that we can get on our feet and get out of here like I see the bigger picture I didn't see it before I see the bigger picture I'm trying to get to that bigger picture like three months ago I didn't see a big picture literally I just saw darkness four months ago five months ago six months ago I didn't see anything I was I was aiming at I mean, darkness. I was like, I didn't even know what I was shooting at. It was just like, there's got to be something out there. Like, I'm just grasping at thin air. And I now see the bigger picture. Like, I see an end result, and I'm trying to get there. And this depression is slowly trying to change that end result into something that I don't like. And I'm trying to change that. Well, not change it, but stop it. I just know that. I got a lot of work. I'm enjoying this this walk with my coaching program that I'm doing. It's having me see the world in a different way. Within that program is when I really realized there was a lot of times I should have put me first and my outcome may have been different, but you live and you learn. Now I can help others maybe avoid the same mistakes that I made, you know, by 
showing them and helping them understand what I didn't understand, what wasn't taught to me, what wasn't explained to me. And, you know, even with my own mental illness, my own mental health, I didn't understand it. I didn't know what I was dealing with. I didn't know how to process it. You know, I didn't know what I was going through. And honestly speaking, I wasn't even open to therapy. I was going to it, but I wasn't really utilizing it. Like, I wasn't receptive to it like I should have been. So it wasn't working like it should have. But I was also dealing with therapists that weren't receptive to me. And that's what made therapy not as as welcoming as it should have been. But if I would have had a coach maybe back then, I feel like that would have helped a little bit more. It's not like therapy. It's nothing like therapy. But it would have helped me to see where things were going wrong and where I could have made changes at, um, where I could have fixed things um, or what I needed to do. I would have been more receptive. I would have seen a lot more than... But you live, you learn. Make changes. Make changes. It probably would have helped me with Bevan Delano a lot more because I kind of blame myself a lot with Bevan Delano. I feel like I didn't push hard enough to get that autism diagnosed earlier. And if I would have pushed harder, if I would have questioned more, if I would have, if I would have, I would have, and they would have gotten that diagnosed earlier, I could have helped them a lot earlier. Maybe we would have really definitely done way better with school. They could have gotten so many services sooner. I mean, things would be so different for them now if that last piece that we knew there was something missing, or we couldn't pinpoint and put together what it was. If I would have just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and I would have gotten it, things would have been so much more different for them now than what it is. But... I can't beat myself up for what if. I mean, it's going to always nag me. All I can do is forgive myself for it and move forward and keep pushing, you know, to try to get them whatever services they can get now and help them, you know, to, you know, move forward, moving forward. But I, I, I blame myself, you know, they, I knew there was still more. I definitely knew there were still more because there were still just extra things that I just couldn't put together that was different and just made no sense to me. Um, And it didn't go with any of the diagnoses that they had. If I would have pushed, I could have gotten it. We could have gotten it. We could have definitely gotten it. But I'm just happy that we have it now. But it's not an easy road. But by struggling a lot, but by struggling a lot. She's struggling a lot to understand a lot. She's struggling a lot. But she's supposed to be starting an ABA program soon. And 
I really do hope that it at least helps her. Um, cause now that, now that she knows, she, and I told her that she doesn't have to, you know, hide. Cause she was telling me that when she was younger and she would do the stimming, she would get teased. So she used to force herself to stop. And it would take a lot out of her whenever she felt the need to do it. So I had a really long conversation with her a few months back. And I was like, Bella, don't ever not be you. Don't ever not be you. Don't ever feel that you have to force your body. You know what I'm saying? Don't ever not be you. So now that she feels free to hum whenever the urge kicks, stem whenever, like whatever it is that her autism decides that it needs to do, she does it now, and she feels free and comfortable to do it, um, I was like, how did you even cope for so long, she was like, it was, it was hard, it was very hard, she was like, that's why sometimes some of the outbursts and some of the other problems that she would have were because of that, I felt so bad, because she never told me or the, apparently the therapist or anybody about it. She just kept it to herself for all these years until she finally had a diagnosis and understood what the diagnosis was. She finally felt comfortable. Like, I felt so bad you were alone with this for all these years when you didn't have to. It was okay. It didn't make you a weirdo. It didn't make you any different. It didn't mean... Beba, lyrical. I gotta not tell you inside. It didn't make you any different. It didn't make you a weirdo. Like, and now whenever, you know, it happens, she just, she's freely, she freely does it, you know? And sometimes it's really bad. Sometimes it's really bad and she'll be shaking really bad out of nowhere and she'll stutter. Um, she'll stutter like a little kid. And again, I blame myself because I feel like if I would have pushed a little bit further, you know, and I had her evaluated twice. So, and SSI evaluated her as well. And nobody put it down. So, I felt bad. Because it would have been easier for her if we would have known her here. Definitely would have been easier for her. feeling because it's not going to change anything. It's not going to make anything any better. It's not going to definitely improve the future. So all I can do is keep pushing for the future to be better and keep helping her through it. 
keep finding whatever else can help her through it as well. But as a mom, it just makes you kind of feel like, you know, I failed. Even though I don't want to set her up for failure, I kind of already, I did. Not meaning to or not knowing, but I did. I trusted that the doctors, you know, and no, she got evaluated three times. She got evaluated, um, child guidance, then SSI, and she got evaluated when she was, for the first time, hospitalized. Then she got evaluated, BS, has been evaluated a couple of times, because she got evaluated again when she was hospitalized after that. And every single time, everybody has missed it. So you know what? I can't feel bad. It was the medical system that failed her. It wasn't me. Because I did my job. I put her where she needed to be every single time. I put her in the hospital every single time. And it was her autism and everything else that... Because I remember the episodes and why I put her in there. And it was the system that failed her every single time. She was evaluated every single time. And every single time I remember, they always said there's something else, but they can't pinpoint what it is. They can't pinpoint exactly what it is. They can't pinpoint exactly what it is. Every single time I remember. So it was not I that failed her. Because I did my job and I did my part. I could push more, but I did push more. So what happened this time that we did get to the bottom of it? I, said, I gave the same information that I always give. And this doctor would just happen to, I guess, see more to it than all the other doctors. Is it because we came to a whole other state and they like to diagnose autism down here more? I don't know. Really don't know. I don't know, but I do know that Viva has been diagnosed a couple of times, and each time they said there was something else there, under another underlying condition, but they couldn't put the pinpoint what it was. And I think it's because of her high functioning, you know. We, I taught my kids that when you when you speak to adults, you look at them. Like when I tell you it took me a long time to train Delano to do that, it took me a long time to train Delano to do that. Even to look at a camera when you take a picture, it took me a long time to train Delano to do that. Now, years later, I realized that was part of his autism. But being a mom, even though I was a preschool teacher and I know all those traits of an autistic, an autistic child, I didn't put two and two together back then. I mean, I thought about it, but then I was like, no, because he allows me to do this. He allows me to do that. And we do this. And there was a lot of things that he let me do that autistic kids normally don't. And there was a lot of things that he did that autistic kids don't. But I didn't think of it as a high functioning. You know, but I trained my kids to look at the camera when you take a picture. I didn't, I didn't 
put two and two together. I just did what I did as a mom, you know? All right, the camera's over here. You gotta look at me now. And then they have ADHD. So I just thought it was part of their ADHD and ADD. Because that is a part of that as well. So I didn't take it as, well, maybe that's just because of this, you know? I didn't really just go, okay, well, there has to be autism. I was like, well, probably it's just because of the ADHD and the ADD. I didn't sit there and go, well, right, let me go look deeper. Delano allowed hugs and kisses and to be touched. You know, he cuddled with me. Most autistic children prefer not to be, you know, touched. But I didn't think of it as a high spectrum. I just generalized it. Um, he doesn't do the repetitive, but he does... There's other signs that he does have that I didn't put two and two together with as well. You know, like Delano still cannot tie his shoes. And that's part of the autism spectrum as well. He cannot button his pants. He cannot button a jacket. Um, He struggles with it badly. All of that's part of the autism spectrum. Um, hygiene has a problem with this part of the autism spectrum. And at before, I was just like, dude, are boys just horrible? Like, jeez, because I had a girl before him. So, what the heck do I know about raising a boy? I just thought it was a boy thing. Like, darn. Boys are difficult, harder than girls, like, jeez Louise, but, can to find out, it's part of the autism spectrum, I didn't know that, like, I have to stay on top of him, me and Bebop, and Donna was little, he still is now with his hair. He doesn't like having his hair combed, brushed, cut, nothing. That's part of his autism. Like, we have to talk to him. We have to literally, like, like, literally, like, prepare him mentally before anything is about to be done with his hair. Like, we've gotten him to the point where he lets Bella wash it now. Before, oh, Lord have mercy. That was like fights. It was like, oh my God, I used to want to box the kid. I used to want to box him so bad because with the autism, he would just do the whining and screaming, crying. And oh my God, I used to look at him being this big kid. You know, your brain looks at him and he's this big kid and you're like, oh my God, why are you this big kid whining and crying like this? It doesn't associate autism with it. It's just like this big kid is too big to be doing this whining and crying. You know, and I used to have to remind myself, okay, he's autistic, calm down, relax, breathe, move remember he's got a condition because of that condition is why he's reacting this way. Do not lose it on him. Do you not know how hard it is to tell a mental health patient to not lose it on somebody else? 
especially when they're triggering them, that is a very difficult task to do. What? I had to pass the baton to Beba. Beba then had to become Delano's hair washer and hair comber because I politely had to bow out and that's when I had to admit that my mental health had a limit when it came to my son's autism. And if I did not want to do any damage or harm that was unrepairable, I had to admit that I had my limits. And then I became responsible because I was, I, I I could not do it. I couldn't, I could not do it. I couldn't do it, I couldn't. I could not. It was just like, it was like, it, it made me want to just, come on, put the boxing gloves on and let me knock you out real quick. And it's not his fault. He doesn't mean to. It's a sensory overload for him. He can't take it. That's his reaction. That's a sensory overload for me. I can't take it. I explode. That's my reaction. So, me knowing that, I don't want to set him up for failure. I don't want to set me up for failure. So I bow down for the equation. But up the next person, Beba, who surprisingly, that God can handle it very well. And it actually, surprisingly, it's one of the few times that they get along. One of the few times that their autism connects. And I find it to be very soothing because it gives me hope. And it gives me hope that one day they're going to always connect 24 7, not just during certain occasions, not just during certain times. It gives me hope that no matter what, you know, if anything were to happen to me down the line, they're going to have each other's back. They're going to be there for each other. They're going to be each other's rock. And this is getting sentimental and emotional. This is not where I want this shit to go. So we're going to rewind a little. You know, we're going to take it back because we don't want to get emotional. But, yeah, that's, um, that's autism. Mm-hmm. That's my kid's autism. Yep. Because of their autism, both of them, they clash. They don't have the best relationship. But when they have those moments, man, I I cherish them. Like, I really love it. And my household be at peace. It would be awesome. It'd be awesome. But I've been talking to y'all for too long. I mean to be out here for this long. Um, I appreciate for anyone that stayed, heard, listened through my unfortunate attacks. I apologize, not apologetically, me for having them. Do not know what transpired, but I meant a lot for those that stayed and, you know, 
were there while I was trying to get through them. It meant a lot that y'all were there, and I appreciate it big time. I do hope that y'all think about, you know, my case studies and think about stepping outside that box and allowing me to help you guys become better you and shoot me that email. Um, if you go to the blog, you can also find the email contact there, um, which is life as a parent, life as a, oh my God, life as a single parent mental illness dot blog. Um, I just lost my train of thought. OMG, I'm sorry, y'all. I just went out my window. Just went out my window. <laughs> just went out my head. Um, but think about it, and I do hope that you guys have a beautiful, blessed day, and make it count. But tomorrow ain't promised. No one make yesterday jealous. Deuces.